Well, hello and uh, welcome to the Suffolk Money Podcast. This is our special budget uh, Suffolk Money Podcast. That doesn't just mean that it's even cheaper than usual. But it's focusing on the budget uh, delivered by Rishi Sunak on the 3rd of March. Uh, It's quite remarkable to think that he's only been in the job for just over a year. What a year it's been. Naturally, the big story that we'll be dealing with is the borrowing that this country's had to make to get us through this dreadful pandemic. But we'll also take into account the fact that we've just gone through the biggest change in our economic circumstances for probably 50 years, which is leaving the EU. Uh, And although Brexit wasn't mentioned once, um, there are some overtones and some uh, key issues that we need to consider. So I've got together with my colleagues, Gary Gladwell and Stuart Millen, uh, the other advisors who work at Kingsfleet Wealth. And obviously part of our role in this Suffolk Money podcast is to bring you stories uh, from the business world and from the uh, charity world in Suffolk, as well as bringing you uh, financial news. Well, these are aspects which impact all of us, charities, uh, businesses, individuals, and the financial advice that we give to clients. So uh, I'll be uh, happy to run through these matters with you and Gary and Stuart will help me as we bring out some of the key stories for you to be mindful of. Uh, in this budget. One other thing I would just point out is in addition to what we're working through here, Kingsfleet Wealth produced a budget overview, which we'll put a link to through our media uh, links on whichever podcast facility you're using. And uh, you can download that as a PDF completely free of charge. So one of the uh, highlights of the uh, budget that we heard was really just some information regarding the state of the economy. And it's quite important that we set that backdrop behind the individual bits of news that we'll be bringing you in just a few moments. So the important thing really is how much the government has had to borrow um, over this last 12 months. So uh, during this uh, tax year, the government has borrowed a figure of £355 billion. £355 billion. Let me just let you uh, consider just how much money that actually is. So we're talking of pretty close to a billion pounds a day has been borrowed in order to uh, pay for everything that we've had to have, which is equivalent to 17% of GDP. So in other words, if you valued the whole of the British economy and sort of uh, did a stock take and and worked out what that came to, that's 17% of the whole value of the British economy. And next year, during the next financial year, that figure reduces, and you might say, well, that's great, but it only reduces to 234 billion, which is 10.4% of the whole value of the economy, which is just staggering figures, absolutely staggering. Now, the positive aspect that seemed to be coming through is that uh, because of the vaccination programme, which by all accounts and from someone that I heard speaking yesterday, they said uh, the the economic plan is vaccination. That is really the, the way that they improve the economics of the country. And the view is that because of the success of that, though, that the uh, Office of Budget Responsibility have considered that actually things could well be getting slightly better faster and that unemployment will peak at six and a half percent. I mean, that's still nearly double what it was in February and March last year. Um, But the economic growth this year will be approximately 4% and 7.3% next year. But the assumption that is being built into all of this is that when we get to the end of next tax year, 
so April 2022, this 234 billion just stops and that we aren't really going to be borrowing anything more in connection with COVID, which is a huge leap of faith. Um, so all the predictions in terms of government borrowing are essentially based on the fact that that huge level of borrowing this tax year and next will be all that we need. And then we won't be needing anything more related to the COVID emergency beyond that, which, well, let's just hope that's true. So as a result of that, lots of the things that we heard about are based on um, being phased in over the next two years. So there's a big leap in corporation tax that takes place in two years time. And therefore, the assumption is that businesses will pay a lower rate for the next two years while things are harder. And then this view that economic growth picks up and moves on uh, means that uh, businesses will pay 25%, um, which is back to where it was only a few years ago, but 25% corporation tax um, on any profit over 250,000 um, from two years time, which is, uh, again, interesting, because when you look at Ireland, um, our closest competitor, English speaking, just over the sea, it's in um, low uh, double digits, so early teens in terms of corporation tax. So uh, we're going to have to just see how that progresses and whether some businesses will see that as an opportunity to move their businesses elsewhere is a challenge. But there we go. Anyway, we'll come back to some of the local impacts on things like this in a, in a little while. But let's just talk about things that have stayed the same. So, Stuart, you know, maybe we just look at the investment world, maybe see what's changed or what stayed the same there. How's it looking? Yeah, well, actually, um, very little has changed, Colin. Uh, so he did um, come out yesterday, Rishi, and uh, confirm that so, so ISA, so individual savings accounts, the £20,000 uh, allowance we all have, um, uh, it remains the same and that will do uh, until 2026. So those hoping for a, a, an increment in, in, in CPI, I'm going to be disappointed, I'm afraid. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it's there, it remains and it, 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 it continues to be a, a good opportunity to shelter away money for, um, for, for the future, uh, away from tax, from capital gains and income tax. Uh, and that also together with uh, junior ISIS. So there was quite an uplift more recently up to 9,000 um, pounds. So this is anyone under 18. Can, so same for grandchildren or, or, or only children, you can put 9,000 pounds a year. So that remains, it's not gonna increase uh, at least until 2026. Um, but I think that's a, a, a real, again, that continues and is, and is positive. Uh, just one thing I'd like to just comment on you've just spoken about Colin around some of the numbers um, and I think for most people they are uh, huge and very difficult to comprehend in terms of the borrowing levels and the amount of money being spent um, but I, I think if we if we focus on what we can do uh, and what we still got um, and look at it that way then I, th I think um, around ISAs and also capital gains tax um, allowances so that remains at 12,300. Yeah that's that's quite a biggie, really, because there'd been lots of talk beforehand about lots of changes on capital gains. Yeah, they were, I mean, they were, they were talking about aligning it more with income tax rates. So for, um, for a higher rate taxpayer, that, that would uh, equate to obviously a 40% rate um, rather, than, rather than 20. Um, so yeah, so he hasn't delved into that one. Maybe he's left that one in his locker for, 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 for next time. 
Yeah, and the other big thing with capital gains is entrepreneurs' relief, which for anyone who's growing a business was always seen as a is always seen as a huge uh, benefit to uh, to then when the time comes to sell. And again, lots of talk about that, but no change. So you know that's a positive too. Um, we we ought to just comment on personal allowance. So in terms of what people can earn, um, Gary, uh, um, you caught up with what what the chances are saying on that. Yeah, yeah. So with the personal allowance, uh, it's still going to have the increase um, that is due this this tax year or the beginning of this tax year up to the twelve thousand five hundred and seventy pounds. Uh, but at that point, it's going to be frozen, uh, along with a lot of the, the other allowances, um, but it'll be frozen until April 2026. Um, so even if your your earnings carry on increasing at inflation levels uh, and you're around the £12,500 mark, uh, you'll potentially start to start paying tax going forwards so um yes yeah, so we're still getting the increase this year but then it's going to be frozen thereafter so that's the the amount of tax or amount of earnings you can um, before you get taxed uh yeah and the same the the higher rate uh level kicks in uh, so it has been these lovely straightforward figures for a few years isn't it so, or last year twelve and a half thousand and fifty thousand so you could earn twelve and a half thousand before any tax is paid the next um, Thirty-seven and a half thousand to take you up to fifty was then at twenty percent, but that's that high rate figure is now changing as well. So that's now going up to uh, fifty thousand. Is that fifty-two seventy? I think. Yes, I think it is fifty-two seventy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, these figures they were nice and round numbers before, but um, but of course it'll be frozen like that for five years. So we'll certainly get used to them. Yeah, by year five, I think we'll be uh, we'll be in tune with uh, what the the new limits are. Yeah, you're right been nice round figures for, for for a while and it's been good to be able to to get used to them but yeah the, the new figures are slightly uh, a bit more obscure to, to remember. So the uh, interesting point about that is of course we might be saying to ourselves oh well they haven't come down well but they have um, and there's this this lovely term which I think I recall learning in economics at A level called fiscal drag. Um, I think that's the one isn't it Stuart? Fiscal drag? Yeah, it is. It's a, we don't realise that we're actually being, um, we're paying it, but actually uh, with any obviously increments in salary um, or any bonuses, then um, yeah, in effect, you are paying more, but you don't, actually don't actually necessarily realise it. And it's the softest way of doing, of actually introducing tax rises. And, and the number I saw, I know we've, we've, you mentioned Connor some big numbers, but I saw um, around 19 billion, all of that. Uh, freezing of rates is going to actually generate. So it's a huge, huge number for the Treasury. Um, and we, most of us probably won't realise it. I guess the good thing is, though, with good planning, you can um, avoid um, much of this, as you term it, fiscal drag um, on your own finances. Just we've got, there is time, there are opportunities to plan around using the current allowances if you're not maximising those um, currently. Yeah, and of course, the other big impact is uh, inflation as we um, move along. And one of the big hopes, I think, that governments have is that we'll get a little bit more inflation. But they walk a bit of a fine line there, because whilst inflation pushes up earnings, pushes up um, company profits, hopefully as well, um, which can all be taxed, um, 
the, the difficulty is if inflation goes up and you then need to increase interest rates and the cost of all that borrowing that we've just talked about goes up as well. And there were some pretty hairy figures that at the moment, this huge amount of debt is quite affordable within the public finances. But if inflation rises too much, then that, uh, that disappears. But as you say, huge amount of uh, benefit that comes from this to the exchequer if they can just freeze that personal allowance limit then more and more people fall into the tax regime same with high rate tax that uh, you know as you say pay rises and inflation push up um, and you know more and more people then pay high rates so that's a, another way of catching more earners and potentially gaining as you say a significant amount of income for the exchequer so one other big thing that's frozen gary lifetime allowance talk us through what that means to people yeah, so the lifetime allowance is, you know, over the past few years has been at various different levels uh, and then they've stabilised where that's going to be and it was all set in stone that it would increase. And um, this is pension related, of course. Sorry, I should have said yeah, that. Sorry, pension, pension related, lifetime. yeah. yeah. Um, and there would, it would increase with inflation going forwards, but um, so it will still have the increase uh, this in the new tax year, as with many of the other uh, allowances that we've already discussed. Um, but then again, it will be frozen for, for the five years to, to April 2026 uh, at the current level of £1,073,100. And it's a figure to try and uh, remember. Again, that's just going to have an impact on pension savers. A lot of people that are not close to that level, it won't have an impact on. Um, but there are a lot of people that are close to that that figure now, maybe you know, approaching retirement, uh, and therefore you know any increase in their pension savings through just you know purely investment growth rather than necessarily making contributions to to their pensions, could well see them tip over the over the, the allowance and therefore for form foul of the uh, the lifetime allowance charge that that goes with it. So. Um, in many cases where there's financial advice uh, involved uh, and you've got financial advisors, then obviously there's planning that you can do around it. And, and you know, that would be encouraged during this time. But um, I think there's going to be some people that fall foul of that and, and the, the tax consequences that, get, that ha have a, a consequence to, to your pension savings. So um, I think it encourages people to not save into pensions. So not always a good thing. And then potentially uh, you're, you're looking to, you know, use those funds elsewhere, uh, which might have a knock-on impact to the economy wider. The bizarre thing is, the figures are that it's not actually going to generate a massive amount for the exchequer either, which is, um, it seems like a huge... As you say, it sounds like a disincentive, but when we work with people who reach that level of savings, actually, um, it, effectively, for most of them, it, what it means is an additional 25% tax on their pension withdrawals, really, because that's the way most people take it, isn't it? Um, so again, managing that with people typically doesn't create too much of a problem. And of course, it's only on the excess withdrawals, anything they take within that 1,073,000 or whatever isn't subject to that extra tax either. No, no, it isn't. And I think you just, yeah, it's, it, it goes around the, the planning side, but also, you know, the leading up to getting to those sorts of figures within your pension pots and, and the advice that you're getting. Uh, you know, it's always, you know, when I've spoken to people around the lifetime allowance, it's always, you know, would you, if I gave you 100,000 and then took you, took back 55,000 and you've, you're left with 45,000, would you rather that than ha than have nothing? So, and it's still, uh, you know, 
because of the wording of it, so lifetime allowance charge, everyone does see it as a, you know, they're taking money from you, but actually they're still, you know, even if you're over the lifetime allowance, there are still benefits that you can have from uh, from having an increased pension pot. Uh, but it's, it is, you know, it can be minimised with planning uh, and, you know, foreseeing that that's the event that you're going to go through. The fact that it's been frozen for, for five years uh, from the new tax year just means that there's something more that we need to plan when we're talking to our clients about it. And the other thing is, if you're in a final salary scheme, then it works slightly differently. It's a multiple of that final salary benefit, isn't it? So 20 times, whatever that figure is, then contributes towards that lifetime allowance. I was just going to say just one other thing that often within a, you know, um, a partnership, if you like, husband and wife or, or, um, or spouse or partner, uh, that typically one person will have the bulk of the pension savings. That's that's not unusual. And and and, and if this doesn't give you a reason, maybe to, to to try and level that out or look at other options within uh, funding um, the, the 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 partner that has uh, a lower savings, and there's an opportunity there for people. That's right. We've worked on some planning similar to that, haven't we, with individuals over the last um, few years and you know, using things like ISAs, venture capital trusts, which are high risk, but, you know, they do provide other forms of tax relief and, and so on. So, yeah, there's alternative ways. I, I think probably I'm just going to get on my soapbox very briefly. I think the only issue that frustrates me slightly is this then just gives greater um, media view that, you know, our, our, our pensions good value when, of course, we know that they are exceptionally good value with the tax reliefs that are unchanged. <laughs> through all of this you know if you're a 40 percent taxpayer you still get 40 percent benefit so you know to buy 100 pounds costs you 60 pounds it's a, a hugely beneficial way of accruing savings for the future but what i think it does do is the more bad news that there is given around pensions which isn't all bad news um the more people then just say oh well I'll go buy a second property and i'll let it out so you then have more people going after properties which raises the price and then elsewhere in the budget we've got how do we help first-time buyers into the market well we need government support so we're, we're raising tax funds through pensions so then ultimately provide taxation support through um, uh, backing loans and stamp duty holidays uh, to try and help people into the housing market at the other end um, it just seems as though it's self-defeating to me but there we are Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. Right, anyway, uh, that's the, the, the lesson is over as far as that bit's concerned. Other thoughts, other um, things that have jumped out to either of you? The only other thing I think we haven't spoken about yet is, uh, is around the inheritance tax. Um, I don't think we've, we've mentioned that, but um, yeah, so that, that's another allowance that remains the same. So just as a recap, that's, that's 325,000 plus um, the, the resident nil rate ban. So that's, that's actually, a, um, for those maybe listening to this and not familiar with with that term it's a relative recent um addition uh to 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 raise that up to five hundred thousand for an individual um there are qualifying criteria on that um as we know in terms of got to be a house that, that that passes down to a family member um in short but that, that still means that there's a million pounds potentially that can be passed um down to the next generation or whatever without without any any further tax um so that hasn't risen but it's still there and it's still it's still good planning yeah absolutely a massive uh, benefit there and again it's one of those things that we 
our own experiences, the sooner you have those conversations with people, the better the planning can be. And again, just coming back to align that with the lifetime allowance on pensions, um, you know, again, it only kicks, inheritance tax only kicks in after a certain level. Um, and a bit of lifetime planning in advance of that can be hugely beneficial. A couple of other things then related to businesses, we have this slightly bizarre thing of the super deduction, which means capital expenditure um, is not just offset against tax, but more than offset against tax, which is, I don't know, I mean, considering that in the last year, we've um, seen the impact of companies that haven't kept cash on their balance sheet. You know, they're the ones that unfortunately have gone to the wall, which is horrendous with all the jobs that they've gone with them, or they've had to get further government support, or they've had to utilise bounce back loans and so on. Uh, now, uh, the view from the Treasury is to try and encourage businesses that, that have cash on their balance sheet and potentially have used little government support to go out and spend it. So, um, yeah, that's a slightly bizarre angle, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think, again, it's very much a focus on delivering growth back into the economy and getting that cash to be put to use rather than it simply coming from government sources. So that's a plus point. And, and another thing that's just well worth us uh, recapping, which is national living wage increasing as well. So uh, again, it's really good to see support for lower earners, obviously furloughs continuing to the end of September. Um, for all those involved, although there is some more company contribution needed in um, July, August and September. So it's not all at the government's cost, but some of it's going to be needed from businesses, which again sounds good in principle, but if your business has had to be closed, um, you look at the hospitality sector, um, then let's just hope they're able to get up and running and you know they, they get the resources that they need to be able to um, keep those employees in work. Any other thoughts, gents, before we then go on to, to look at Freeports? Oh, actually, I was just going to call that one out, but you... Uh, <laughs> well, let's, yeah. talk let's talk Freeports then. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was an interesting concept. I think for a lot of us, probably forgotten that this was, um, this was something actually that used to be around a, a number of years back, and some of may remember it, but I think from a... You know, for those of us that work in East Anglia, and then we heard... Uh, Felix Stone Harridge. I thought that's got to be great news for the area. Got to be brilliant news. Um, I guess the devil's in the detail with all of these things, but when the headline is cheaper tariffs and tax breaks, then everyone is start, you know, prick up um, and start listening. So I think it's it's got to be a great a great um, great opportunity for this area to 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 really sort of um, take a boost from 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 the, from this real tough uh, twelve months that we've all been through. Yeah, again, I know it, uh, the word Brexit wasn't used once during the, uh, <laughs> which actually is quite a relief, but it wasn't used once during the whole um, presentation, the whole talk, but um, the whole delivery. But um, this is really one of the prime outcomes of Brexit is the ability to, to introduce something which isn't permissible under EU law. So, um, yeah, and of course, you know, Felix Stone Harridge are the ports, but actually it goes a little bit beyond that. So there is a radius coming out from the uh, dock basin, I'm assuming, <laughs> or maybe even Shotley. <laughs> and that radius sort of is, is all the area around it. So it's going to encompass Ipswich, I think probably Woodbridge, Stowmarket, and, you know, go into mid-Suffolk without any hesitation either. So, yeah, potentially this really does put Suffolk not just on the map from a geographic perspective, but also will give us a massive opportunity as a, as a county to uh, make a vast difference. 
And if you then link into that, you know, Martlesham, BT, all the technology businesses there as well, you know, potentially this is this is massive. So I think we should be encouraged by that. We'll obviously look to see what additional information that would give. And I'm sure within the podcast, we'll try and cover some more information on that as it progresses. But yeah, generally, um, that was that. Uh, uh, what what are your thoughts about what what people should be doing next, um, Gary? What 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 are you thinking if you're an individual and um, you're thinking what they need to check or what they need to think through? It depends on where where the individual is um, within you know what they earn in a year, where how you know their their job, um, but also looking at their pensions, their income for the next few years, and how that's going to be affected by the well, I say changes or the freezes in certain rates. Uh, you know, if, if people are regularly increasing their salary in line with personal allowance, then obviously that's something that they need to bear in mind. Uh, if people are making contributions to pension schemes that are you know closer to the lifetime allowance, that's always something that needs to to have some thought now, just to, as to whether or not that's the best option for them. Um, but yeah, get, getting financial advice would be obviously high on the list. Um, as you know, a lot of things have, have stayed the same. There are some. There's some changes. So local businesses, as an as an example, with the corporation tax uh, increase over the next couple of years, that we need to they may need to factor in. So uh, lots of different planning aspects that can be done, whether that be personal or or businesses, really. Stuart, other ideas? It all comes around thinking and planning, um, and we've got you've got notice to to. Um, to, to consider the impact of, of, of these freezes. Um, but as just to reinforce what Gary said, it's about planning, it's about looking at your allowances, it's about looking at your income and looking at what opportunities you can to shelter that away. Um, whether that be um, in ISAs, looking at your pension, um, it, it's the obvious ones that spring to mind. The, the, the other thing I think, uh, I, I guess a, not a final thought, but um, of course, uh, the, the other news was around excise duties yesterday. So um, uh, the, <laughs> the excise, the hospitality sector, as we know, has been hit really hard. And I know they've got reduced VAT, but actually when the pubs do reopen and those of you have, have visions of sitting in a nice pub garden with the sun shining, um, well, the price of a pint, I think, um, is, is it, 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 he cancelled the increases that were planned for, for alcohol. Um, and fuel duties so to get to the pub and maybe have a even a lemonade or a coke or a shandy then um, there there is some sunshine for us all then for for when we all do get out of, of, of what, lockdown what a way to end what a way to end well that's good a, n- a nice positive thought i suppose um even though we're recording this uh 8 30 in the morning <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, getting us thinking of all sorts of uh, things that perhaps we shouldn't be so uh, that's that's brilliant thanks for that Stuart thanks Gary uh, great great ideas and thoughts there so again just to recap uh, we've already uh, carried out some uh, work which you'll find in earlier podcasts on pensions and ISAs those are still valid as I say we're recording this beginning of March 2021 so all the tax Uh, arrangements and rules and figures that we've referred to are applicable at the moment so do always check that and do always take independent financial advice so um, as I say uh, you'll find within the media pack uh, that there is a pdf 
the budget 2021 produced by Kingsfleet Wealth, which you'll find available to read through. But we just want to thank you for joining us and uh, look forward to having you join us again on the Suffolk Money Podcast. Thank you.